Hey, welcome back to the Redundant Rufus podcast. Sorry it's been a few days since my last upload. I'm trying to prioritize some things this week. I still plan on delivering uh, specific content that I've gone over already, specifically Tolkien and uh, paranormal supernatural things. I was hoping to get a Tolkien episode out this week, another one besides the one I posted this past Monday, and a paranormal one, but uh, life happened, so had to make time for other important things, but I still wanted to get on here and talk about some stuff. First off, how long does a podcast have to be? Is there a bare minimum time limit before a podcast is considered a short or a reel or a TikTok just without the video. I know I could record myself, but I like to say, and as some of the great people on radio have said, I have a face for radio. So maybe when I'm more comfortable with myself, I'll have a YouTube channel dedicated to my podcast, but not show my face. You know, not just privacy reasons, but I just don't really feel like I have a face for that kind of stuff. But going back to podcast size, does there have to be a podcast time limit so people will say oh yeah that's a podcaster no this looks like just a bunch of ramblings from a random podcaster which is what i'm doing right now ironically enough but i've had a f- podcast that have been 30 seconds you know i posted nine things already go me and two things have been under a minute that was mainly just an update and an introduction uh, my paranormal one revisited was uh, three or four minutes um, the supernatural one with UFOs, that was three or four minutes. So it just reflects my personality. That's what I'm getting at. A podcast is a podcast. You know, if you said everything you need to say, why continue talking about it? That's just my opinion. Now, some people can be very verbose and just continue on down the merry lane of, hey, I'm going to talk more about this particular topic you know, I'm going to bring out this aspect or, hey, I'm going to invite this person on to interview. You know, I'm nowhere near that place. However, like I said 20 seconds ago, I'm, my personality kind of uh, prevents me from speaking for a long time. You know, I, as I've said before, I am an introvert by nature. And if I say what I need to say, then I'm done. I don't need to belabor the point, ironically, as I'm doing right now. So this podcast, maybe three minutes, maybe 10 minutes. My Flippin' Burgers podcast was my longest so far. That was like 25 minutes. Now that's pretty long for me. That's a long duration when it comes to uh, just speaking. Now, I've given talks or delivered lessons in my uh, in my church. I've delivered dozens of trainings in my profession. So if push comes to shove, sure, I can, but I need a lot of time to plan and go over what I need to cover. But off the cuff, like right now, but podcast size. Okay, I think I'm here third or fourth time. The podcast size, I think, should reflect the personality of the podcaster. It helps them seem more genuine, that they're not trying to push too much of nothing out there. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's what you're doing right now, Rufus. You're just pushing out something just so you can put content on your podcast. Well, you know, maybe so. This is the exception because I'm new at podcasting, so maybe I need to break my own rule and just put stuff out there. Okay, Keep having my stuff exposed to in the ether, saying, oh, there's more content coming out from him because every creator out there has had 
hey, like my previous episode, filler episodes, where it kind of goes against the grain, goes against the theme. They just post something out there so that they can have something out there. Okay, I'm going to stop talking about this. So sum up, podcast size should reflect the podcaster, and it should be genuine. If you're done what you're talking about, then be done and move on or end it. Okay. Uh, Something else I wanted to bring up. I was debating to make this particular topic a podcast episode, but I'll just say it here. Who likes Cherry 7-Up? I ask that because lots of people I ask that question to aren't always aware that there is a Cherry 7-Up, where they say, you know, it's been quite some time since I've seen that on the shelves in the local grocery store. Like, yes. And that's what I get, the point I try to get across. Like, Cherry 7-Up is so rare to find. Now, you can find maybe one out of five of the local grocery stores a Cherry 7-Up 2-liter bottle, at least in the United States. I don't know anywhere else in the world. Maybe there are certain regions or countries where it's more popular, where it's more marketed to. But at least in here in the States, in, where, in my region, I, I only see 2-liter bottles occasionally. At, gro- at grocery stores, you know, about a decade ago, I could go to the local grocery store and find, you know, a 12-pack uh, of um, of uh, Cherry 7-Up outside of the 2-liter bottle. And then around the same time, I went to another store and I saw pushed way in the back of the beverage fridge Cherry 7-Up 20-ounce bottles, and I said, what? 20-ounce bottles? Come on. They have 20-ounce bottles now, and clearly the staff or someone was trying to hide it, but I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm taking that. I'm consuming it today. As soon as I purchase it, I'm going to devour it or ingest it. So, But then it went away, and I know there was a merger with the with the company, and there was a you know legal issue with their you know, pu- pushing out the antioxidant Cherry 7-Up that really wasn't. So, um, and there wasn't a high demand, at least in my area. So they were pulled from the shelves. And again, occasionally I see two liter bottles and I buy them when I see them. But for the past several years, I've looked on um, online retailers trying to gauge, is it worth purchasing carbonated beverages online? Because I see how some parcels are handled and I was worried by the time it landed on my doorstep, it would be completely flat. So three, four years I've been going back and forth. Maybe I should make the purchase. It's more expensive buying it online compared to the store, even though it doesn't exist in the ladder. Like I need to try it. So this past week I was like, okay, I'm going to, I, well, let me just say this. I found 20 ounce bottles of cherry seven up. For an online retailer, had good reviews, and it was a legitimate business. And I'm like, okay, I'm ordering it online. So two outcomes are going to happen. One, I'm going to get it and it's flat. Or one, I'm going to get it and it's going to be delicious. Not to suggest I'm going to continue buying it online because it's expensive. But I'm like, I wanted this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to buy 20-ounce Cherry 7-Ups. Now, like I said, I could get a 2-liter bottle. If I search for it, I can find it. But having that experience of enjoying on the sitting on the couch, playing a game or watching a movie or reading a book with a 20-ounce Cherry 7-Up next to you, it's all about the experience 
It's all in the head, whatever, but it's also a deliciously crisp beverage with a hint of cherry. And the color is really enticing. So I ordered it. I received it this past week. And I'm already halfway through the case of 20-ounce Cherry 7-Ups. And they have each been crisp and delicious, enjoyable. It is so cathartic because this was a drink... Um, I came across later in life, and I, when I came across it, I'm like, how has this been absent from my daily regimen, from my life? So I'm enjoying my Cherry 7-Up. Because I would get pissy with grocery stores when you look up online and they say, oh yeah, we have it. Oh yeah, it's in stock. Oh, they're tw- the 12-packs um, the are in stock here. And I, too many times my heart's been broken, okay? Too many times. Grocery stores need to be straight. If you have Cherry 7-Ups in your inventory, if it's on a shelf, if an employee put it in there, be honest about it. Let me know. Don't say you have it when you don't. That's my passion for Cherry 7-Up. Okay? So, I'll leave it at that. The next thing. Today, I... Well, I'm a stickler for claw machines. And... I'm like, okay, it's early in the day. More than likely, not many people have utilized the claw machine, so the grip isn't going to be strong enough. But I'm like, oh, I'll give it a whirl. And, of course, there was no returns on the money I put in there. But I bring up claw machine because throughout my life, I've gotten better at obtaining, um, well, I guess discount price stuffed animals. And uh, and other things. It's it's a skill that I've been learning. I'm not perfect at it, but I think I'm pretty good. That I have a guarantee of of getting you know one out of three tries, I get something. And I've I you know over time I've been learning that of course it's computer programmed, especially in these big box stores, and what you get is based off of not just its positioning in the claw machine. It's all about how firm the claw is prepared to grasp the selected object. So like I said, some of these machines, it's based off of how much usage it has. So this particular claw machine, I've tried multiple times before and gotten many uh, items out of it because it was, you know, late afternoon, early evening when I tried, so the claw grip was stronger. But I also saw something where someone on TikTok revealed that for some of the machines, you can, once you grab the joystick and move the claw over just above the center of the object you're trying to get, once it grasps it, the moment it grasps the object, you press the button again, and it's supposed to tighten the grip. So I don't know if that's true or not. Some people have found it uh, accurate, others have not. So the next time I buy a claw machine, I'm going to try that. But claw machines are, it's a fun, um, not too expensive because it doesn't happen frequently, but it's fun to do. And it's fun to get toys for my kids. And, uh, you know, there's never anything for adults in there. You know, one time I think at a, a one place, there was an MP4 player, and uh, I was dumb enough to try multiple times. Now, this was a long time ago when I was a much dumber man. Okay, moving on from Claw Machine. Now, for the next episode, 
I'm really endeavoring to get some really good quality paranormal stories. Now, I'm going to focus more on my own family history because there's a wealth, there's a treasure trove of paranormal and supernatural experiences as well going back generations. And, uh, you know, my, my family history on my uh, paternal side, it's, uh, it was very rural upbringing, a very rural family. And uh, I feel like that makes paranormal experiences that much more creepy because it involves old dirt roads, um, fields, trees, dead, you know, dead trees, and, uh, you know, spooky sounds. So that's where I find the paranormal stories from my family history to, to have that extra edge of creepiness because they act, they derive from the rural areas where I find it much more creepy having paranormal experiences compared to anywhere else. That's just my uh, opinion, but I'll get that out. And for Tolkien, I'm wanting to talk more about the Silmarillion because after I finished The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, I started The Silmarillion. And much like Lord of the Rings, as I explained in an earlier podcast, it was a completely different reading or literary experience uh, because The Silmarillion has a gazillion, yes, that's a real number, gazillion names. Uh, lots of one-off names, too. And so that was a bit hard getting past, but I'd already been accustomed to the way of Tolkien, his uh, writing style, so it helped in that regard to you know push through the Cimmerillion, not in the sense that I was bored or just trying to get through an, a book for the sake of it. I was really enjoying what I was reading. So I'll talk about that in a podcast episode. But yeah, I'll, I'll stop there and recap. Podcast size should depend, you know, length, you know, duration, time. Is there a minimum? Is there a maximum? Some go on for hours, some minutes like mine. So should uh, there be a uh, a bare minimum of time dedicated to making a podcast or how long the podcast episode should be? Maybe, maybe not. I think that's up for the, for debate. Second, Cherry 7-Up is rare, but when you find it, if you like cherry-flavored beverages, especially the Lemon Lime 7-Up uh, brand, find it. You know, be, be, do your due diligence looking up on online retailers if they're going to ship it to you, um, like I did. So I was lucky. Maybe you'll get lucky too. Third, Claw machines. They're fun. They're not really expensive if, you know, you engage in that activity, you know, on occasion like I do. But you oftentimes find a fortune or you get lucky because, or not not lucky, you know what works, you know what doesn't. And you'll able to find your groove and understand the best times of day and the best type of objects to go for, you know, when you're doing that. With that being said, I thank you for listening. For those that have listened this long and are wildly confused or just wondering why you kept listening to what I'm saying. Well, like I said, my previous podcast episode was about filler episodes, filler chapters and books. You can call this a filler episode because for, because I'm breaking my own rule in that I'm not a big talker, but I feel to push my podcast out there, I do need to have content. Not saying I'm going to push these kinds of random episodes, you know, a hint, you know, a glimpse into my nonsensicalness. Is that a word? If not, I'm coining it now. With that being said, I greatly appreciate you hanging in there with me as I've spoken at length about random stuff tonight, and I'll talk to you all later.